Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. Today, we're joined by our Northwest Division expert, Ryan Liu, here to break down the past week of NBA action for the Jazz, Nuggets, Timberwolves, Thunder, and Trailblazers. Starting us off, Ryan, how is Utah responding this week with, the, with their newfound win streak? Hey, John. Yeah, Utah continues to dominate in the Western Conference right now, extending their second win streak so far of a, at least five games this year uh, to nine games. Overall, this nine-game win streak has matched their second best so far. Their their other win streak earlier in the season was ten games. Mike Conley missed the whole week with a hamstring injury, and they still went on. They still continued this win streak. Gotcha. So that being the case, I mean, I'm curious. Are there any updates in the standings for them? This week, there's no specific player to point out. To be honest with you, because this entire team has been playing at a high level right now. They're really meshing well, and they're playing. They look extremely comfortable playing under Quinn Snyder's system in year four. The core and bench are intertwined, and they're really just playing well, no matter what the rotation is, no matter who's on the court. Utah continues to lead the pack in the West. They're still in the top spot as they compete with the LA teams. This team is really showing that they're contenders, and they have championship aspirations. For sure. Moving on to the Blazers, they've been on fire even with the injuries into their starting lineup. How did this week go for them? Yeah, the Blazers continue to prove the doubters wrong. Uh, with the injuries to CJ and Yusuf Nurkic, no one expected them to keep winning, even me. Um, and I didn't even think they were going to improve out their slow start, to be honest with you. Damian, Damian you know, Lillard has just been carrying this team to victories. He's just hitting clutch shots and he's closing out tight games. You know, He's really just putting the team on his back. Derek Jones Jr. has also gotten a lot of minutes in the front court recently as the Blazers looking they're looking to play more small. They 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 found success playing small and they're looking to continue that. Gary Trent Jr. has really been scoring the ball at a high clip and he's really replacing, you know, CJ's scoring because when they lost CJ that that was a huge role for him to fill and he's he's filled in nicely. Okay, that all makes sense and then uh, are their playoff chances looking good? They've always been fight uh, it always looks like it always feels like the Trailblazers are fighting for one of those last few spots. I'm curious what'll happen this year. It was announced recently that Damian Lillard will also be participating in the three-point contest during the All-Star Weekend this year. I'm slowly changing my tune on Portland, to be honest, you know. Um, I thought the injuries to CJ and, and Nurkic would dampen their chances of making the playoffs this year. And, you know, now I believe they're actually going to make it, no doubt. Um, I don't think there's any any doubt really anymore. You know, they're sitting in the fourth seed right now, and, you know, they, they're playing really well. Moving on to Minnesota, we've spoken a lot about their youth on this show, but I'm curious if anything else has maybe transpired for them this week. You know, Minnesota is really still struggling, unfortunately. Um, they've had to deal with injuries and, and health issues, and, you know, they were only able to pull out one one win this week versus the Raptors. But the good news is, you know, Carl Anthony Towns did return from, from his time, you know, due to injury and, and COVID, but he's really struggled to get back into rhythm, as he even mentioned in an interview after a game. They lost three games this week to the Hornets, Lakers, and Pacers, um, which the Lakers and Pacers were expected, but the Hornets, it was a tough game, but they lost by four. Um, Ricky Rubio had a double-double versus the Pacers in their overtime loss, and that was also a close game. So it was cool to see them at least competing. You know, they, they're not laying down, which is really good. D'Angelo Russell also underwent surgery this week on his injured knee, and he's expected to miss at least another six weeks. Now, back to the young side of the Timberwolves, though, are those youngsters getting any more minutes, or has it been kind of... Uh... Or are they still maybe trying to salvage this season wins-wise? Yeah, the youngsters have actually been getting a lot more minutes. Um, Anthony Edwards has pointed out he's been uh, actually starting recently, and he scored 18 points in their win versus the Raptors. Jaden McDaniels has also been getting a lot of rotation minutes, and he's even had a few, a few spot starts. Moving over to the Thunder, I'm curious to see, maybe see how they play this week. You know, the Thunder took a big win versus the Bucks uh, with a big game from Justin Jackson. He actually scored 22 points in his first year with the team, but they lost the, re- the remaining three games of the week versus the Nuggets, Blazers, and Grizzlies. Al-, Al Horford actually has been playing really well as of late. He's averaging nearly a double-double, and he's actually boosting his potential trade value. 
And Hamido Diallo has been playing well off the bench. I think he actually started a few games as well. Um, not necessarily this week, but he's been starting a, a couple spot starts throughout the year. But he's playing above expectations, and he's definitely a sleeper candidate for the most improved player of the year. And moving over to Denver, how have they been looking this week? The Nuggets split their games this week, then they went 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Their losses coming against the Celtics and the Wizards. Uh, Jamal Murray actually broke out for 35 points against the Wizards, and he started to look better as of late. Uh, Facundo Campazzo has been starting for Will Barton, because Will Barton actually he got injured. Um, and Campazzo has been playing well as he adjusts to life in the NBA. What do you think Denver needs to do to take the next step to become an elite team in this league? Uh, the rookie, Zeke Nanji, he's their first-round pick in this past year. Um, he's actually been getting rotation minutes as of late, and he scored 16 points versus the Lakers. You know, really, it just comes down to one word, defense. Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. Today, we're joined by our Central Division expert, Logan Nachtrob, here to break down the past week of NBA action for the Bucks, Bulls, Cavs, Pacers, and Pistons. Logan, the Pistons had a strangely good week. How did they manage to win this season when they've had such trouble doing that all season? Yeah, John, I want to bring attention to something that I said two weeks ago. I said that I was confused as to why Dwayne Casey was playing his veterans over solid rookies like Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart. I suggested that with time on the court and more experience, these two could blossom into solid role players. Well, this week, Sadiq Bey got that chance, and he showed that he can do that and some. Over his past four games, he's averaged 17.8 points per game, and 5.5 rebounds per game to lead the Pistons to a 2-2 two and two record this week. Not to mention, he shot 71.4% from the field over those games and 69.6% from deep. He was also named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. He's just the second Pistons rookie to ever receive that honor. Kelly Tripuka is the other. In addition, he was just the fourth rookie in NBA history with at least 30 points and seven three-pointers made in a double-double. Finally, he is the only rookie in NBA history to make seven three-pointers in a game without a miss from three-point range. In addition, I do feel obligated to mention that Jeremy Grant posted 43 in their loss to the Bulls the other night. Interesting stuff there. I had seen how the Pistons have turned it around a little bit, uh, even in a small sample size. But in stark contrast, the Bucs, on the other hand, had an unusually bad week. So what's going on there? Yeah, the Bucs finished the week 0-3. Drew Holiday has been out indefinitely and the Bucks have dropped four straight. That's no coincidence. Drew Holiday is one of the best perimeter defenders in the game, and it's safe to say he would have contained Fred Van Vliet, who finished with 33 points, Justin Jackson, who finished with 22 points, and Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson, who finished with 26 and 25, respectively. These guards had no problem scoring in their games against the Bucks this week. Without that help on the perimeter, the Bucks struggled to contain those opposing guards. A couple of the Bucks did hit some notable milestones this week, though. Dante DiVincenzo amassed 1,000 career points on Sunday night against the Thunder, and Giannis surpassed 5,000 career rebounds on t- and Giannis surpassed 5,000 career rebounds on Tuesday night against the Raptors. I also found another interesting fact about the Bucks this week. The Bucks are 16 and 12, as you may know, but they are 6 and 0 against just the Cavs and Pistons and they're 10 and 12 against every other team in the league. This should be slightly concerning if you're a Bucks fan, but we'll see if they can improve next week. Interesting stuff going on there in Milwaukee for sure. And then on the, on the, then going over to Chicago, they had a bit of a quiet week with the Bulls. Um, what, what have they been up to? The biggest event in Chicago this week was the return of Wendell Carter Jr. He's averaged 14 and a half points per game and six rebounds per game in the two games since his return, which have both been wins. Those two wins led them to a two and one record this week and they battled through some tough opponents. 
On Wednesday night, the Bulls overcame an 18-point deficit at the half to spoil a 43.9 to spoil a 43-point night for Jeremy Grant. On Monday, the Bulls managed to hold off a solid Pacers team led by DeMontis Sabonis, and they held the Pacers to just 27% from beyond the arc. Despite their 11-15 record, this Bulls team has shown resilience and has certainly had its moments this season. Bulls fans are definitely going to have to be patient and see where things go from here. How about over in Indy for your Pacers that are finally looking to get back on track after kind of losing a step a couple weeks ago? DeMontis Sabonis has been stellar this week and led the Pacers to a 3-1 record. He has averaged 25.3 points per game, 12 rebounds per game, and 7.5 assists per game over the span. Sabonis also recorded a triple-double the other night against the Timberwolves to move to seven total in his career. These seven triple-doubles broke the Pacers' record for triple-doubles as Sabonis passed Detlef Schrempf, who had six with the Pacers. Sabonis is also the first player in Pacers history with at least 30 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists in a game. And this is a team that joined the NBA in 1976. He recorded 36 points, 17 rebounds, and 10 assists against the Timberwolves the other night to claim that honor. Other than that, this team really doesn't look that bad without TJ Warren and Karis LeVert. So I'm tremendously excited to see this team at full strength. To wrap things up, over in Cleveland, Logan, the Cavs made headlines when they made the controversial decision to bench Andre Drummond over trade rumors. What should Cavs fans be thinking right now? After a disappointing 0-3 week, Cavs fans have little to be happy about as their team slides further and further towards the bottom of the East. However, the Cavs made the decision to bench Andre Drummond. This created some controversy amongst the players, but more importantly, Andre Drummond is a very intriguing trade. While many people may have forgotten about him, this is a phenomenal player who hasn't had the opportunity to display his talents for a winning team. He's led the league in rebounding the past three years, and he's a two-time All-Star. The Cavs could bring in a serious package depending on how much interest he generates. Per Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com, there are at least eight to ten teams interested in trading for the Cavs' big man. So I'm really curious to see what they could get for him. 